Welcome to Jay Madison's Rural America. It's a journey through the stories impacting rural economies and country lifestyles. Jay Madison's Rural America is also a production of Jefferson County Economic Development. Now here's Jay. Hey there, everybody. This is Jay Madison, your host for Jay Madison's Rural America. And usually sitting here at the table with me is the one and only Mr. Ron Robbins. But he called me up today and said, hey, Jay, I'm out in the field and I'm pretty busy. And that is the life of farming. So we won't have uh, Ron joining us today, but that's fine. We can handle it without him for one day. I know that uh, he is the brains behind the organization. I'm usually just pushing the butt buttons and making sure that uh, we sound reasonably okay. Really appreciate everybody that joins us here on the podcast. Uh, appreciate everybody that uh, uh, tunes in, uh, checks us out, and uh, gives us the feedback of what they like and what they don't like about the podcast. We try our best to give you good agricultural information and tell the stories of rural America. Today, I just wanted to uh, go over a few items. Uh, One uh, you might have heard about here recently, and it was the milk carton shortage across the United States. It's impacting different states differently. Some, Some areas were more prepared than others. Uh, but uh, there is a shortage of the packaging paperboard that uh, is used to put school milk into the little half-pint containers. Uh, Here in New York, uh, State Ag and Markets and Department of Education uh, voiced their concern about the milk carton uh, shortage here in schools. Uh, This is reported by North Country Now Online. Uh, They said two New York State entities voiced concerns about a milk carton supply shortage and what it means for school children. The New York State Department of Ed and the Department of Ag and Markets reiterated what the actions they're taking and uh, the outreach they're doing to support New York's dairy industry and schools during the nationwide shortage of packaging uh, paperboard. Now, just to give you an idea, folks, uh, what this means, we have one school district, uh, for example, that reached out to me, first told me about the milk shortage impacting, and it's not milk, it's the containers, but obviously it makes it kind of difficult to serve milk to kids when you don't have the little half pint containers with milk in them. Uh, This school district is one of our largest school districts here in northern New York and they serve about 15,000 half pints of milk a week. So that's a lot of milk and they didn't have a source for it. Uh, The supply chain across the nation has been disrupted and created this challenge for schools Um, as well as other institutions. The departments here in New York State have been in contact with the state's dairy processors and uh, membership organizations to try and help develop short-term solutions and issue guidance to the school food authorities uh, here in New York State while the state tries to continue to gather more information. Uh, the president of the Farm Bureau, David Fisher, who's from right up here in northern New York, said the school milk uh, market is critical to the New York dairy farmers. And, and as I said, one school district alone here in Jefferson County, one of our largest, serves 15,000 half pints of milk a week. So that gives you the idea of the impact. And when, when schools come online in the fall, 
uh, the demand for milk goes up significantly and sometimes actually creates some shortages and there's a lot of shuffling that has been done with the milk supply because that demand for fluid milk is always the highest priority. Uh, that takes priority over cheese or cottage cheese or so on. So when the demand for fluid milk increases, that gets the priority. And it also pays the best price for farmers, two farmers. Um, so it's always very important. But anyways, uh, Dave Fisher went on to say, New York Farm Bureau appreciates coordinated effort to share resources and guidance to address the milk carton supply shortage. New York's dairy farms continue to produce the nutritious milk that our students uh, need, and they're hopeful that the uh, problem can be addressed. Uh, State Ag Commissioner Richard Ball said, while this is not just a New York problem, it is a nationwide problem, it is impacting our schools and their ability to serve milk to our students. And enough with the quotes. I want to get to what what are they doing about it? How is this being addressed? And it, it looks like, well, I'll, I'll read you this. To assist the school food authorities that cannot obtain milk and half pints from their school meals programs during this time, the New York State Education Department has released temporary guidance. Although schools are expected to meet the fluid milk requirements to the greatest extent possible, the disruptions that limit milk variety or affect serving size are currently considered a temporary emergency condition. Guidance by the New York State Education Department was sent to the school, uh, school food service directors and managers earlier in the week, outlining steps that can be taken uh, regarding the Child Nutrition Program Administration. School food authorities are allowed to serve and claim meals during the emergency period by pouring milk from larger containers into individual cups, offering one type of milk instead of a variety, offering an alternate form of fluid milk such as low-fat or uh, fat-free lactose-free milk, or reduced lactose fluid milk, or as a last resort, not offer fluid milk altogether. And that is the last thing that we should be doing. Uh, milk obviously is a very nutritious, nutrient-dense product, a uh, beverage for our students to drink. A lot of kids uh, outside of school, they don't get a nutritious meal. And so, and up here in the North Country, we see that. Across New York State, we see that. There are homes where, for financial reasons and so on, they're just not able to serve the nutritious meal that these young children really need to grow and strengthen and, and be able to learn in school. So that milk is an essential part of their you know, diet at school. And so not serving milk is just a horrible alternative. But anyways, the department also advised that juice cannot be, cannot be offered in place of the milk component. School uh, food administrators must still adhere to the national school lunch program and school breakfast program uh, meal requirement that no more than half of the fruit or vegetable offerings be in the form of juice. You might wonder why. Probably because of sugar content. Uh, uh, fruit juice has a ton of sugar in it. 
But anyways, um, so I thought that was interesting. And I just want to share when this when this issue came to our attention here at Jefferson County Economic Development, we serve uh, the Jefferson County community. We immediately started working with uh, the folks who oversee uh, school lunch programs across the county, and that would be the Jefferson Lewis BOCES and St. Lawrence Lewis BOCES program. And we started communicating with them. We communicated with uh, a couple of the school districts that had brought this issue to our attention. And even though it's not our responsibility to address the issue, we reached out to a couple dairy processors that we're aware of. One is a very small dairy processor here in uh, northern New York. Uh, it's called Black River Valley Naturals. And we reached out to them to see if there was any way that they could assist this. And um, as I said, a very uh, small private uh, dairy processor located in Lewis County. Um, they actually were able to step up to a degree. I don't know how much they're producing, but uh, they had uh, they had actually been uh, receiving messages directly from a couple of the school districts in Lewis County. And so Black River Valley Naturals has started uh, processing milk and putting it into small half-pint containers uh, to sell to some of the school districts that have reached out to them. We provided information to the school uh, lunch programs here in Jefferson County, and I'm not sure how many have taken advantage of that, but we saw that as one way to get actually uh, local milk from two dairy farms here in Jefferson and Lewis counties uh, directly to our schools through Black River Valley Naturals. So uh, we really appreciated the interest from Black River Valley Naturals to step up as much as they possibly can uh, to help address this issue. The other thing we did is reach out to some of the uh, dairy processing companies um, to see if anybody was coming up with alternate ideas on how to reach out to this. And Stewart's Shops, uh, we talked to their dairy, uh, their fluid uh, milk uh, folks out of their headquarters, and they said that they had the potential to assist. So we provided the contact information uh, for those folks at Stewart's Milk, uh, Stewart's Shops, I should say, and provided their contact information to uh, our local BOCES and some of the school districts. It's up to those, you know, the, the lunch folks to make those contacts and see if the, see how that ends up. It might have worked. It might not have been a solution, but at least it's some resources. I know in talking to some of our, our school lunch programs at school districts, uh, one of the solutions, which they were not excited to try, but it was the only way they could see to make sure milk was getting into the students' hands was to actually purchase gallons of milk and serve them by the cup. Now you might say, oh, what's wrong with that? We do that at home. Well, you're not serving hundreds of young children uh, in a very short amount of time. You think about the elementary school, for, for example, folks. Uh, there's you know, 100, couple hundred kids that come through the school lunch line. They come through in a very short amount of time. They might have 15 to 20 minutes to actually get their lunch, sit down, eat it, and then get done. By handing a, a half pint container, closed container to the child, 
you know, you're taking literally seconds to do that. Um, and it doesn't take a lot of time on this, you know, of the staff to, to get the milk cartons ready and then hand them to the child as they go through the line. And then the child goes to their table, sits down, pokes the hole in the container, puts their straw in or whatever, however they drink out of the half pint container. That doesn't take much time. If you change that, now you have to pour an individual cup of milk, hand that to the child without spilling it, and then hope that that young elementary student makes it back to their lunch table without spilling that milk all over the place. Mm, It's going to take a lot more time. And so we've seen school districts talk about, okay, we're going to have to put another person on, or we're going to have to figure out how to allocate our staffing to do the pouring, and then how many kids are we going to have spilling their milk all over? And and that's a real concern. I talked to uh, my wife, for example. She's a teacher's assistant at a local school district, and she's helped out in the uh, lunchrooms. And when I told her about the plan, uh, she said, oh, this is not going to be fun because of the potential that these children, these small children who are, you know, squirrel uh, type situation, um, you know, there's going to be a lot of spilt milk. And so uh, anyways, I'm I'm sure that these school districts are doing the best they can. Uh, you know, we certainly applaud the efforts to make sure that these children continue to have milk in their school lunch and that uh, they're, they're doing whatever they can to um, serve milk to the children. Uh, we've tried to help find a couple alternatives that they uh, schools can pursue. Uh, hopefully that was helpful to the schools as well. I just want to... Um, uh, Congresswoman Elise Stefanik in this article from North Country Now, uh, she was quoted. She said the she released the following statement. Congresswoman Elise Stefanik uh, represents the 21st uh, congressional district here in northern New York. Uh, Congresswoman said, I am deeply concerned about the milk carton shortage that threatens to remove our children's access at school to nutritious milk essential for their healthy development. Our dairy farmers in upstate New York and North Country work hard to produce nutritious dairy products so that our children can access these essential nutrients for their development. The health benefits from diets that include milk are undeniable, which is why I co-sponsored the Whole Milk for Healthy Kids Act, which is a great idea to get whole milk back into the schools rather than skim or 1% milk, uh, stated, that was a little editorial statement. By the way, Congresswoman Stefanik didn't say those things. Uh, But she did say, I applaud our upstate schools that have quickly adapted to serving our students by purchasing milk by the gallon to serve individually to ensure our kids have uninterrupted access to a proper nutritious meal as this milk carton shortage persists. That was Congresswoman Elise Stefanik. So, and you might be asking the question, well, how did we get here? Why do we have a a milk carton shortage? Well, apparently, from the information I've gathered, there's one manufacturer in all of the United States for milk cartons, uh, at least the half-pint cartons, and they had a fire. Uh, So, my understanding is, is that's what's caused the milk carton shortage, that they actually had a fire, 
And that, you know, that indicates there's a real issue out there. Uh, just like we saw during the pandemic where uh, we had a couple meat processing plants, major USDA meat processing plants that shut down because of having sick employees. And it made major, major interruptions to our, our meat supply for the nation. That's, that's a problem. And actually here in Jefferson County, we've been trying to, over the past uh, year and a half now, uh, been trying to uh, find ways to address that. That centralized food supply, that centralized food supply chain is vulnerable. And we need to, as a nation, uh, as a state, and as a local community, be thinking about that. What are the vulnerabilities that we've introduced into our food supply? And our food supply is critical. If we have a food shortage, a milk shortage for schools, how are we going to address that? What are we going to do in those situations? And while with this milk supply shortage for schools, we can do a workaround, what are the vulnerabilities that are more difficult to do a workaround? How are we addressing those? So, uh, you know, I'll, I'll zoom back to Jefferson County as an example and much credit to the Jefferson County Board of Legislators and to the Jefferson County Economic Development Board of Directors. Uh, the Board of Legislators uh, talked to us about the American Recovery Act funds that were coming in, what was the best way to use those. We here at Jefferson County Economic Development, along with our partners over at Cornell Cooperative Extension of Jefferson County, said, hey, you know what? We need to increase our local food production so that in the case of a pandemic or like this, in the case of a milk carton supply shortage, we can help produce at least some of the food, the necessary food for the public. So we took those ARPA funds at, from, from Jefferson County. They allocated us a portion of those funds and those funds have gone into what we call the Jefferson County Local Foods uh, Resiliency Grant Program with the idea that we would uh, provide small grants to businesses, to farms, to food businesses here in Jefferson County to help them increase the production of local foods. Uh, we've already done round one. We allocated $400,000 in small grants of Ten to fifty thousand uh, dollars. We uh, uh, we did grants for twenty six different businesses, uh, which were ranged from small vegetable production to uh, custom meat processors and some dairy uh, some local dairy processors. Uh, twenty six different grants uh, to help increase that local food supply, and we're seeing some great results from that. Right now, we've announced uh, a funding opportunity for round two, which will do value-added food processing, and it will also do uh, ag production. So this time, uh, a farm or a food business can apply for the value-added side. There's $100,000 available there uh, to fund grants of up to $10,000, and that has to be used to increase food production here in the county. Or there's a second uh, opportunity 
uh, on the ag production side, which will help increase the uh, production of the raw crop, whether that would be vegetables, fruits, meats, uh, you know, you name it, food, uh, help increase the, the, the production of the raw product. So, uh, for example, if you were growing a certain type of berry here in Jefferson County and you needed a piece of equipment to help you harvest that uh, berry uh, more effectively, more efficiently, you could potentially apply for a grant through the ag production side up to $20,000. And with both, you have to provide a 10% cash match to it. And it would, the grant, if you are awarded, it's competitive. Some people will get grants. Some people may not, depending upon the quality of their application and, you know, the amount of applications we receive. But you can apply for funding to help you increase the production of the raw agricultural food product uh, on your farm. So it's uh, those that program is open right now. You can apply uh, for the grant at www.agricultureevents.com. That's agricultureevents.com. Very simple applications. One of the easiest grants to ever apply for. It is actually a Google form with several questions. Just make sure that if you are applying, you give detailed answers. Uh, don't tell me you just need money because you won't get the grant. I can guarantee that. Uh, give us the detail. Why do you need the grant? What are you going to do with it? What is the equipment you want to apply for that you want to purchase? How much does it cost? Give us details. Um, because if you just say, hey, give me money because I want to do this, and it's very generic, uh, you're not going to get funded. Nope. Um Cornell Cooperative Extension to Jefferson County and myself and folks here in our office, uh, we review each application. We visit each uh, business farm that has applied uh, to make sure we've put eyes on what the potential project is. And then we evaluate them against each other and make the allocations. Uh, very simple, uh, but, you know, there are some liabilities. It, you, you know, you do have to pay taxes on the money that you receive in the end. Um, and for five years, you are responsible to maintain that equipment um, because it is the public that has funded that. And so every year you're going to see me come out to your farm or business and say hello and make sure you still have that equipment and that it's being used for the purposes that uh, it was intended for. And if for some reason, God forbid, your business goes out or whatever, uh, you have to pay that money back. Um, it'll be, you know, prorated so that, you know, it's it's not at full value if, you know, you're in year four. Obviously, the equipment's not worth what it was in year one, but you still are, you have a responsibility to pay that money back. But anyways, I've gone off on a long tangent uh about that issue, I just, when I read this article, I wanted to share it with you and tell you what we've tried to do here at the uh, local level uh, to address uh, some of those issues with the milk supply shortage and then lead into uh, the local food issue and how uh, Jefferson County has been trying to uh, address that issue. I also read something I want to share with you. This is going to be in particular interest, of particular interest, 
uh, to our ag educators. And here in Jefferson County, we're fortunate. We have uh, six ag education programs. Those are located at Belleville Henderson, South Jeff, Carthage, uh, uh, Indian River, Alexandria Bay, and Watertown. I think I got them all. Uh, those are, are uh, schools that have ag education programs. They do a fantastic job. In fact, I'm going to a dinner tonight uh, that will uh, support uh, Belleville Henderson and South Jeff ag education programs. Um, but fantastic programs. It's so important. And the amount of kids I see going into those programs that do not, do not come from a farm background, but they see the value of the program itself and the opportunities that it gives them, um, even if they don't plan to go into production agriculture, there's still a tremendous amount of career opportunities in the ag industry itself, whether you might be interested in marketing, pharmaceuticals, uh, you know, technology, and so on. So many career opportunities out there in agriculture. But anyways, uh, again, I get off on a tangent here, folks. Uh, get a little long-winded. Um, so Farm Credit East is pleased to continue its support of Northeast agricultural educators with scholarships to aid their attendance at institutes offered by the Curriculum for Agricultural Science Education. Scholarships will cover up to $1,500. The application deadline is December 6th. CASE, that's uh, Curriculum for Ag Science Education, CASE, uh, the acronym, a project of the National Council for Ag Education managed by the National Association of Ag Educators, has developed high school, high school courses that integrate science, technology, engineering, and math concepts with hands-on inquiry-based learning. The institute provides uh, the institutes provide professional development for educators to offer this coursework in high school classrooms. Case also offers an ag business curriculum developed with support from Farm Credit East. The schedule for the 2024 Case Institutes is available now with registration opening in January. Visit Case for Learning, that's C-A-S-E, the number four, learning, Dot org to learn more. And that, again, that website was C-A-S-E, the number four, learning.org to learn more about those programs. Since 2009, CASE has certified more than 3,600 teachers from 46 states and the Virgin Islands, including more than 200 teachers from the Northeast states uh, Farm Credit East serves. To be eligible for a Farm Credit East CASE scholarship, Educators must teach in a school district with Farm Credit East within Farm Credit East eight state territory, and must currently teach or plan to teach agriculture or natural natural resources courses. Scholarships will not exceed fifteen hundred dollars. And to apply, to learn more or to apply, you go to farmcrediteast.com/slash/slash/ageducator. That's farmcrediteast.com slash ag educator the deadline to apply again is december 6th so a great opportunity for those ag educators out there to uh, get a little help in affording the uh, course uh, to get certified 
So folks, uh, that is all the information I wanted to share with you for this episode of the podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, I'm sure Ron will be back. You know, he's missed two shows here. We're going to have to dock his pay. Uh, I'm sure Ron will be back uh, for the next episode. And uh, until then, uh, just remember uh, tomorrow, if you're listening to this on uh, uh, December or November 10th, uh, November 11th is Veterans Day. want to sh- send a shout out to all of the veterans out there who have served our nation and helped protect us and keep us safe. You have our most sincere thanks for your service to the nation. So thank you very much, folks. We'll talk to you next time right here on Jay Madison's Rural America. Thank you for tuning in to Jay Madison's Rural America. Make sure to join us weekly. If you have any questions about the show, call Jay at 315-782-5865. For more information, visit www.agricultureevents.com or jcida.com. Until next time, thanks for tuning in to Jay Madison's Rural America.